Comic Book Nation, Season 4. We continue, and uh, we had an awesome plan for this episode. But uh, as we're coming in, we have some breaking news that has just dropped. So uh, let's get to that, because there's nothing fun on, I mean, more fun on these podcasts than some live reactions. So let's talk breaking news as we were coming in. We got an update that reveals a new key piece of information that people have been wondering about the Avatar sequel, Avatar The Way of Water, which is how the hell is Sigourney Weaver in this movie? Because if you don't remember 2009, which was yesterday, but uh, Sigourney Weaver's <laughs> character, Dr. Grace, died in Avatar, right? I mean, they put her into the earth. There was this whole thing. So how was she back in this movie? And <laughs> crazy enough, we just got the answer thanks to Empire Magazine, which is that she is going to be playing the role of Kiri, who is Jake Sully and Natiri's uh, adoptive teenage daughter. So the article's basically breaking down this crazy casting of having Sigourney Weaver play in her, you know, a woman, you know, in her elder years, playing a woman in her elder years who gets back into the body of a teenage girl. So like some 13 going on 30 stuff, except with the, not, you know, the Navi. <laughs> So I love I love the sentence in the original article, by the way, which is like, we'll allow you a sentence to take all that in again. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like that bonkers. It takes a minute, right? James Cameron. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they even talked to Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney Weaver about it. They say she says, I think we all pretty much remember what we were feeling as adolescents. I certainly do. I was 5'10 or 5'11 when I was 11. I felt strongly that Kiri would feel awkward given a lot of the time. She's searching for who she is. Oh, look at Peter just jumping on with the Avatar trailer. That was unplanned. See, that's real <laughs> producing power. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Peter's in the background running the show today. We're nice home. job. Yeah. Um, you know, Richard and our rich regular people are all out in the field. So we're at home and Peter's holding down. Peter also makes our excellent graphics. Why our graphics game has stepped up in season four <laughs> for sure. is because uh, Peter's here and uh, we got Peter on the team because I mean, they were just tired of letting all our crazy podcasts run without somebody to like, you know, rain, rain these things in. So Peter's been holding it down and he's got this. So yes, that is Sigourney Weaver. You see swimming in the water. That teenage Navi girl is Sigourney Weaver. So, yeah, there you go. Breaking news. What do you guys react in the moment? Janelle, what do you think? Uh, I genuinely... Great. I love it. Yes, Matt, what do you like about this or not? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, maybe I'm muted. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I genuinely did not even make the connection. Like, I was like, oh, wait. No, she didn't die. It's, that's how long it's been that I cannot remember for the life of me what actually happened in Avatar. So for me personally, like this is going to have to be a binge situation to get back into this because I'm not in the headspace of Avatar at all. Like it's just been way too long for me. So. Okay, good. I yeah. think I had it right now. I'm just kidding. I, I had it right the first time. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, but that's, uh, I mean, that's you, I mean, but to be fair, I feel like you do represent a huge sample size of the audience right now. I mean, I just hit us with some breaking Avatar news, and still, you're just like, yeah. oh, yes, that's a thing with people yeah. in it. And I feel like, yeah, that's still kind of the general. I'm excited. Don't get me wrong, but I just really cannot remember yeah, the story. I, mean, I think we all have to uh, watch Avatar again, if I'm being perfectly honest, except maybe Matt. Matt, you like you look like you'd be like a, a real kind of Pandorite, like you know. You're off <laughs> oh, is that what they're called? Pandorite. I don't know. I just made that up. Oh, he's trying to find out everyone's up. fandom names. Um, yeah, I 
I will say, actually, I'm getting more excited for this sequel. One, because that was a gorgeous trailer they put out. That's uh, a yeah. stunning trailer. You seen it on the big screen or IMAX? It is. Yeah, because I had the chance to see it in 3D, right? So we were at the 3D showing and we saw that trailer and it was like, good Lord, that's gorgeous. And Anissa is like over them like she's hyped to the moon on it she's like i want to see that so i've been kind of re-immersing myself in some avatar stuff i was like yeah get on board you know i'm this is really interesting i love the spin like if you're gonna if you're gonna i love bringing her back in and then also having her play just a completely type different type of character and uh i, I was waiting i was waiting for the helmets a comment that's what i was waiting <laughs> i was waiting for it um but yeah, like I'm, I'm actually. This is cool. I think this actually makes it way, like, way more interesting to me. Yeah, so if you're just I'm, listening, I'm uh, Peter's also a uh, shark in the comments of oh, our live weird. streams. Which, if you're just listening <laughs> to the podcast, thank you. But uh, you should tune into the live shows too because we. Uh, it's a whole other experience when you watch us live. Uh, it's a whole other level of chaos. But um, yeah. So okay, and that's Avatar two news. That was not part of our show. So uh, yeah, let's get to what we are promised you guys to be here for. Uh, we are burdened by some knowledge. I'm going to say right off the bat, uh, I have not completed Stranger Things 4. Uh, I did not have four hours at my disposal. You know, I, I set aside four hours at my disposal, but life and family always has a way yeah. of, uh, you know, fulfilling Jeff Goldblum's whole chaos theory. So I have not finished. I saw the penultimate episode and finished that. I got the hour and a half in. I still got to do this two hour and a half hour journey. And honestly, after seeing some early reactions that I've muted, I don't know if I'm ready to do that to myself emotionally. This week has already done enough to me emotionally that I'm trying to like build up to what I know is going to be a thrilling, fun, but ultimately heartbreaking thing. But I say that all to say, chill in the comments. I'm not reading any comments right now because I don't trust you all. I have trust issues. I trust no one or nothing. So I am not reading comments. But uh, I'll let Janelle and M filter out comments if I need to know. Okay? Or Peter will throw some up on the screen. But uh, yeah, so we're going to chill. We're going spoiler free because nobody's really going to be getting Mm -hmm. through this yet. Unless you just took a Stranger Things 4th of July holiday early. Like, uh, (laughs) that sounds awesome. (laughs) Next week, we're going to come back and talk about Stranger Things as a whole and do like maybe like a whole kind of dissection. Deep dive. Deep dive. Yeah, Yeah, we should. Because I'm at the same spot. Yeah, Me I'm too. The same spot as we're Garfield. all kind of in the same spot. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that. Let, let's save this. We're coming to that. Okay. But um, first, let me just get this out of the way. I am also burdened by the knowledge. I've seen Thor Love and Thunder, which was its own mission this week. But uh, <laughs> we got it done and I saw Thor Love and Thunder. So I'm just going to give you a spoiler free react. Um, I kind of fall in line with the general film Twitter consensus. And I hate that because I hate film Twitter. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Sham of crazy crap that is. But anyway, hey man, I've said it since the beginning and I'm on record. Go back 10 years, I was saying it when it started, I say it now. But anyway, as film Twitter said, like, you know, there is, it is a fun movie. And I think F fun with a capital F, a capital U, and a capital N, and maybe an extra N in there just for flair. But um, yeah, it is. It's a, this is a Taika Waititi Thor movie. So if you didn't like Ragnarok, this is more of the same. But this one is just kind of Taika now fully trusted and let loose to kind of make his own film. And it is kind of this weird, almost like the postmodern version or satirical version of what Marvel superhero movies have been, while still kind of being that, but not never once taking itself too seriously. 
Um, except for Christian Bale, who's in a completely different movie. Uh, he's in a very serious movie. And it's not out of place. It works. If you've read any interviews, you've heard about things. A lot of stuff was cut from this movie. It was slimmed down. And I could see where they trimmed a lot of Bale's part. But he's amazing in the parts that he is in. And he is a freaky Marvel villain. And the way they make gore in this movie is pretty freaky and, and kind of scary. Um, there's also a good amount of heart in this. I mean, it lives up to its title. The Thunder is action and kind of craziness, but there's also a lot of love and heart in this. The Jane Thor stuff is great. Um, the Jane stuff is great. Natalie Portman's great to have back in the franchise. And, you know, all of that stuff kind of really works. So it, it's like Jojo Rabbit, if you want a comparison. Like, there is serious stuff, heartfelt stuff, and kind of this kind of absurdist comedy laid over genre. Um, kind of mocking, like winking at you at the whole time. Um, people like Russell Crowe are amazing. And yeah, there's some post-credit scene stuff you definitely want to stay for. But this is fun. And I, I think, I, I still think that every phase four movie, I, I think there's this weird thing going on. And after I came out of Thor and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to write about this without, you know, getting flamed down by Marvel fans everywhere. But like, I feel like there's this weird synthesis in phase four where the whole Marvel collective team has just kind of gelled together their content. And so like the TV content and the movie content is all kind of the same baloney sheet. And it kind of feels that way because this feels like, I feel like every phase four film feels like it's made to also stream on Disney plus, you know what I mean? And like that level of scope as compared to just before in the theatrical times and Thor four still feels like that in a certain respect. Like it still feels like a very awesome TV episode of Thor. But um, that said, like, yeah, it's fun with a capital F, capital U, and a capital N, and maybe another N thrown in there for thing. I, I, have la I don't think I've laughed in any of the Marvel movies as much as I did in this. And, yeah, there's just some gags that are great. And everybody who appears in this is just, you know, great. So it is kind of the most fun in, I think, the least controversial Phase 4 film we've had. It's a safe bet if you're just looking to do and you want some just good Marvel theatrical fun. So, and you know, Chris Hemsworth, but so there you go. <laughs> you gotta throw that in there. Gotta throw that in there. So that's Thor um, Love and Thunder. So I have a question. Any questions? Yes. Yes, I have a question. So I, there has, I, I, I keep hearing the, this is a more mature Taika Thor story. Is that accurate? Because it, from what, because it was kind of like, you were kind of like, well, if you liked Ragnarok, you like this. So do you, did you see kind of a evolution of that or is it really just Ragnarok? Yes, scale? they are much, Taika's much more comfortable in this world now. He knows like what he can play with and like what to kind of leave alone. And there is, this story does take, I mean, in some hilarious even sequences in ways, in the way that you saw framed in the trailer, like you hear Korg telling the voiceover story like it is a legend so it is a cumulative kind of thing of taking all that thor's been doing and been through and looking at where is this character now and addressing kind of like we didn't get to do it in endgame because we were so busy you know fat thor just became a joke but like that was a serious thing about that character and like why is he depressed and where has he been and this story is him kind of learning to get back out there and and deal with things again right and so like that's what it's about and yeah. And so it's kind of uh, there are serious moments and there are serious conversations and scenes. And those are still treated not too like dramatically and heavy. But like when Taika's doing all this zany stuff, it doesn't take much for him to just pull back and, and do a straight kind of 
scene where people are just actually stop fooling around for a moment and have like a serious conversation. Okay, and cool. Kind of happens. Yeah. Cause that was one of my issues. Like I'm, I love, I really enjoy Ragnarok, but I'm not like as in love with it as some others are because it really took that, Hey, we got to have a quip or we got to have a thing here to the 90th degree. Right. So I am, that excites me more about it. I will say oh, yeah. that he's, he's okay to rein it in a little bit. Uh, oh yeah. Know, no. Do you have anything? I'm just really, really, really excited because I love Ragnarok, like probably in some of my top picks in the entire MCU. So if it does kind of align with that, I am I just couldn't be more excited. Oh, yeah. It's hard not to smile and laugh throughout most of this movie. So I feel like we need that because there's yeah. been a lot of heavy moments lately. Like even in the shows, there are I, I don't know. I'm not laughing in the shows personally. I know that like some of the stuff is supposed to be funny, but I don't really I don't know. They're fun, but they're not funny. So, yeah. yeah. And Chris Hemsworth has uniquely like nailed this thing where he's still like a, a great leading man, but like Love. also not this, like the kind of weird satirical vert, like takedown of like the machismo guy. <laughs> like he's always kind of really good at self deprecating mm -hmm. and like acting sure. and making fun of himself and the way he plays Thor. And uh, it's great. So, yeah, Thor franchise is not doing bad, guys. Like, and you know, sets up some good things for Thor franchise's future on its own. So, check out Thor: Love and Thunder. I can easily recommend that. Go see that in theaters. It, it's just, I think it's a good one to see with a crowd too. Like, it, this is one you want to. You don't want to sit at home on Disney Plus and be like laughing and having these moments by yourself. Like, you want to get out with a crowd and you want to just feel good with for two hours with some other Marvel fans, and this will do that. All right. Now, let's get on to some other stuff. So, let's talk about uh, our spoiler-free reactions to Stranger Things. I think we figured out earlier that we're all kind of in the same place. We watched the uh, first of the last two episodes. And, yeah, what are you guys thinking so far? Because we know, I mean, we the internet's already blowing up. You know, we already know that we're going to get our hearts broken in this last episode. How are you guys feeling so far about what we got in the penultimate episode which was called papa <laughs> janelle you want it up i left off at a very strange moment i think i have about six minutes left on this episode so it's, it's a lot of heaviness is happening right at the end um even though i haven't experienced the full end so i am just kind of like on the edge of my seat going oh my god like how is this episode gonna wrap um but it's just so rewarding so far. I'm, I was kind of disappointed when I realized there were only two. I went to my fiance and I was like, wait a minute. I thought they were releasing four. Like I was, I want more. Like I I'm obsessed with the show again. Thank God, because I was kind of nervous that I wouldn't be. We talked about that on the podcast. Um, and this is just beautiful. Like they're doing such an incredible job. I've heard lots of rumors about, deaths and and where it's going and i haven't experienced a lot of that yet so i'm holding my breath and petrified just like kofi said like you have to be mentally in in like a good space um so i would say this episode is is a really nice journey and it explains a lot which is very rewarding and i'm just waiting for the next one to really like rip my heart out yeah, uh, I will yeah, say. I love uh, that you love use the words only two. This is 
two episodes. I know. Right. 90 I know. minutes and two and a half hours. One is a Scorsese film. Yeah, I was going to say. You're correct. So you're right. You're right. I'll take like that. You win. a four episode volume and it's just put in the two. But, but I, okay, this is one of those things. I love the kind of fun of that. Like mm -hmm. if you're going to do, I mean, this is a, you know, finale in all sense of the word. Right. So I love that they're, they're kind of going all out like that. That's awesome. I will say this episode leaves us in a very interesting place. And I, I've look, I have loved the season. The season has been fantastic. It has been uh, like the right amount of horror, the right amount of like, I've been genuinely freaked out at part <laughs> several parts along this season. And so this, this first one, I, I cannot wait. Like it's not the, for me, it was the fact that I'm like Kofi, like I wanted to watch the next one. I wanted to like have it all done. And then just stuff gets in the way, right? Life gets in the way. But like I am, it was not because I wouldn't have just sat there for another two and a half hours and, and watched the whole thing. I was, I was in and I was pissed that I, <laughs> that I couldn't. Um, also, I just got a shout out that I think it was a uh, comic life. book. I think it was comic book that said uh, the month of Paul Reiser. Dude, and all the shows suddenly, and that's yeah, so today true. is a double Paul Riser day. That is crazy <laughs> true. Paul Riser's on Stranger Things and the boys. Killing Paul Riser was just like, Yeah, he's like, he, he's just out here getting the bag. It just like, he was just like, Yeah, I need to get this last minute. He's like, what the, What's hot right now? He's like, All he's right, so I want that in both shows. Yeah. It's great. It's, I also yeah. love, I love what CJ said. They should have put the finale in the theaters for the weekend. I would have absolutely gone and seen that. Would you guys have seen it in the oh, theater? Oh, yeah, they could have done that. Yeah. Oh, that would have been so fun. Oh, they could have done that. I didn't even yeah. think about that. Yeah. I mean, maybe Netflix. Netflix has been, I mean, more we hear, we know that Netflix has a kind of certain allergy to money. So, mm -hmm. you know, they got to be careful with that. I don't want them getting sick. Kofi, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was uh, really good. Like you said, it, it made it's I've been watching, like I rewatched the whole series leading up to volume two's release, including volume one all over again, just because there were things I just wanted to make sure I hammered down before we Props. got to the end of this. Yeah. Props on that. Oh, it was easy to do once I started season one is still by far like the most perfect season of one of more. Of I want to rewatch really bad. I've ever seen like, it's so good. Yeah. It's so funny how much these kids have aged too. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's pretty nuts how much when they do these extended episodes, like the battle of uh, Hawkins or the, you know, the mall one at the end of three, like how they can make 90 minutes go by so fast mm -hmm. and feel like no time has gone. Like I woke up at like five in the morning and watched this. And like you said, I was in, I was mad at my family when I got up, I was like, <laughs> you guys again, uh, stupid life. And then I had to come back and finish it. Like I'm like half watching it when I'm trying to make breakfast. But like, yeah, they make 90 minutes feel like it, it goes and the scope of what they are doing now and just that last six to 10 minutes, which I hope you get to finish. It's just yeah, it's seriously. nuts <laughs> what they do and just the set pieces they pull off. And I can tell now why this took some extra time. And just now we got a two and a half hour movies worth where I'm assuming we're going to get some major battles and set pieces and crazy stuff happening. So. Can we just give a shout out to Journey, okay? Because oh, yeah. these youngins don't understand who Jer Journey is. My favorite band of all time, and Steve what? Perry. Has what are the you best like? Voice. What are you like? A sixty-five-year-old okay, Florida man? I like, just is, love Journey. His voice is so good. And if you no, I mean, no doubt. Journey you can't. You, I mean, there's no doubt about what you're saying. Journey just, is amazing. Journey I'm is my. <laughs> I almost sang Journey on American Idol. I was like the only person to get approved to sing Journey on American Idol, and then I got cut from the show before I could do it. Oh, such a such a bummer. They actually Man. had like 
audition me in front of the band to no, make sure I, I get can it. Sing I song. just never heard. I, it's rare of our generation to say. Hear I know. Somebody say like Journey is my favorite band of all. Journey, time. Fleetwood Mac, and then like throw in some Incubus and Spice Girls, and we're good. Are you part of like some <laughs> Florida beach? You know cult? what though? Like are you, you know part of a crazy? Jimmy Buffett cult? You Here's are, aren't thing. you? That is that collection right there <laughs> is not exactly what like I would leap to to like for Janelle's favorite band, but it totally makes sense now that I know the bands. Like, you know what I mean? Like doing the show with Janelle is like, yeah, that fits. I don't know. It's it's the eclectic collection that fits. Everybody go go listen to like that's go my playlist when I go to Cape Cod for a week, but like yeah, that's what I know it's like Florida, it's the Jimmy Buffett cult stuff. I've seen it. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, there's just, just shout outs. The music is so good on Stranger Things. Anyway, that ending journey track is is fire. I mean, yeah. the soundtrack overall, though, for the show has been fantastic. I don't want to get sued, so I can't. Yeah, I'm not going to get sued. He. Oh, say. All right. Anyways, go ahead. But um, yeah, so we are emotionally intact right now as you were hearing this and watching this. We are, we are good. But uh, after this, I, I know we're all going to be. We're going to be kind of emotionally hit up after this one because, I mean, that last sequence makes you gives you one last look at these people. And we know somebody's got to die, as the notorious B.I.G. once said. And I'm not ready for that because I just rewatched the series and and I'm just that's not the way I want to go today. But uh, so we're going to get into it. And next week together, guys, we'll do a Stranger Things deep dive and uh, we'll talk about everything and we'll heal together. Okay? yeah, I agree. All right, so uh, yeah, we got some good things coming up, and uh, we got some other breaking news. It sounds like we got in the wings that's coming up for the wrestling section that's coming later. Well, that's going to be a surprise. But real quick, uh, let's get to this other crazy thing that happened this week with Howard Stern saying some stuff about uh, Doctor Doom. They did this over on the uh, Marvel podcast Phase Zero. That was in real time. They had to deal with that in real time. Thank God we had to let some time on this breathe. Did we ever figure out so? Howard Stern was doing an interview. He mentioned that he's going to do Dr. Doom for Marvel. And he was doing this thing. And he's talking to Robert Downey Jr. about acting techniques and stuff. And like the internet melted down. Have we gotten any updates since then? Cause I, I just, this was just too ludicrous for me to like, I mean, it could be real, <laughs> but even if it was real, real life, it's too ludicrous often these days for me to handle. So I can only take so much. Like, I, do we yeah. think this is live action? Do we think it's in like a animated thing? Like, what are we thinking here? I mean, he could even just be like a reporter. He could be playing himself, right? You know, talking about Doctor Doom on his show or something. We don't know. It, I mean, he's just. I love how dramatic he is. He's like, oh, this is going to suck. Meanwhile, we all would like die to be in something Marvel related. It's so cute. Like, must be so nice to just casually call up Downey and be like, hey, man, I need some help with acting. (laughs) So, yeah, like I I just I do kind of love that. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's just in my phone. I just text. Yeah, I do. Now, to be fair, there was a time in the past where stern kind of like it was kind of the same type of um situation where it was like oh hey here's like a the mic is live and like we accidentally said some stuff and then it was just kind of a publicity thing so that was a while back it was a long time ago right um but maybe could this be another version of that i don't know because like like do you do you i don't know it's one of those things right like even 
even if I had something significantly, even just with the hint of it might be secret or I should not say it, I, would I say it around a bunch of microphones and a thing, even if we're on, like, even if we've done this all day, like, I don't know, I would, I still wouldn't. But, yeah. you know, Stern is Stern. So maybe, like, he just, you know, doesn't care. But he's also a pro at this. He's been doing this a long time. So I don't know. The hot mic thing was kind of like, I, I don't know. Suspect. You know, maybe he's just messing, it's messing, messing with That's us. That's what yeah, you're trying to say. It's a little suspect. It's a little suspect. <laughs> However, um, I did see that there was, like, a question of whether he's, if if this is true and legit and happens, like, relax. I don't think he's playing Dr. Doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Absolutely. just going to be in it. Yeah. And, you know, even if he plays an actual character, not just Stern mm -hmm. in the universe, I'm, I'm up for that, you know? Yeah, That's I mean, I could cool. see it. I mean, Marvel loves to integrate, like, real-life stuff. And I could see yeah. Howard Stern talking about something in Latveria and, like, so mm -hmm. you've heard about those Latverian sex clips or something, like, crazy like that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. easily be a part of something like that. But I think my larger question is, are they doing a Dr. Doom focused project? Like, is that going to be a thing? And they should. Is, are we going to get <laughs> that, that before cool. or, or a fantastic four thing? Like what? That would everything make about this again. This is why I just tap out sometimes. I'm just, I'm like Danny Glover. I'm just like, I'm too old for this issue. Like I can't, I can't handle it. Like, just it's just hard to get your hopes up for things. Like we've done that so many times publicly now that it it is like kind of embarrassing at this point. Like how how much do we want to you know invest our time and energy into predictions because we're always wrong. Like do we, I'm only down for this if it's a Doom 2099 project starring Howard Stern. Doom 2099. <laughs> okay, that give me give me that with him in the role. I'm good. <laughs> I want everything 2099. Well, we're probably going to find out something because uh, in a turn of events, like Comic-Con called in all the bodies and favors it had, and Marvel's coming back to Comic-Con this year. Yeah. They're going to Hall H to do a presentation, so uh, hopefully we'll learn something in the coming weeks. Cool. Yes. Matt, did you say something? Oh, I said maybe, maybe. Okay, maybe, baby. All right, so uh, do we have time? Did you want to mention? Uh, let's your... cut it. Let's just All move. Right. Let's move forward. That, we got that. a lot of stuff to talk about. All right, yeah. so we are going to take an ad break, but when we come back, we have to do recaps of Miss Marvel, The Boys. We got to talk wrestling, and we got to talk some good comics this week. So make sure you stay tuned for all of that. We'll be right back on Comic Book Nation. Season four, we just wrapped up our spoiler-free reaction, first reactions to Thor, Love and Thunder, and Stranger Things 4, Volume 2, plus broke down that Doctor Doom, Howard Stern, crazy Marvel news that broke this week. Now we are moving on to some recaps of the week. Our TV recaps will be Miss Marvel episode... Oh, somebody mislabeled. It says episode three. Sorry, episode, that was uh, my fault. Four. That was my fault. Miss Marvel episode four and uh, the boys post-herogasm episode, as I call it, that had uh, some things going on. So, Matt, why don't you kick us off? What would you think about Miss Marvel this week? Because uh, you are our Miss Marvel expert, so I was interested what you thought about... You know, Marvel series has a road... You always got to have a road trip episode, and this week we went to Pakistan, and uh, tell us what you thought. Oh, my God. I love this episode. <laughs> I love this episode so much. I saw a bunch of... I saw some wild Miss Marvel takes, y'all, on Twitter. 
uh, it talks that Kofi talks about film Twitter. I'll talk about like TV Twitter. I saw some just whack takes uh, on the show in general, but also on this episode. And uh, man, I I came away just just loving this man. I so far Marvel has a really good track record with with traveling episodes. And I now I will say that this uh, a core part of this episode is Kamala's relationship with um her nani but also her relationship with her own mother and and then their relationship and it's seeing some of the parallels and seeing how her mom relates the the stuff with her nani just like hit me in a place like my nana was one of the most precious human beings on the earth and i saw there's so many things i saw of her in 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 their depiction and it just i don't know it just hit home with me in a very different way uh, it, it just just hit right here. So for me, this episode, I love this episode. I love the action. And as we talked about before with some of the powers and stuff, they're starting to get a feel for it. You know, they're starting to get a, a feel for some things. You want to see some things evolve by the time the show ends. But but I really like the action stuff in here. I, I love the the sequence, the, the chase sequence and stuff. And so, I mean, I, I thought this episode was great. I, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. Um, but that's me. What'd you guys say? I loved it. This show, I was so nervous about the coming of age teenager story. You guys know this. I kind of like, bleh, kind of like bothers me. I, I just adore her. She's just so likable and relatable. And I, I'm just so in love with like them showcasing a different culture, a different country and like her ability to be so relatable and also the action in this, like we're finally getting fighting sequences and like, you know, the power usage. And it's really cool to see because we're finally kind of getting more into like the superhero-y aspect of this. I, has this been confirmed for season two? I don't think they've confirmed that no. because other than like Loki getting one, like right at the end yeah. of that, yeah. I don't think they confirm any season two. It for just Disney feels Plus. like we're finally getting into like the meat and potatoes of like the superhero vibes of her. And so I would hope that we have more of that so we can see her really like hone her craft and her skills because she kind of just went from not really knowing how to use them at all to like, Oh wow. She's like, putting platforms everywhere and she's jumping on them and she's protecting, she's shielding herself. And it just kind of like, I want to see more of it. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I loved it. Kofi, what'd you think? I liked it. I, I still feel the same about this show, which is like this, it, it's a kind of tale of two deliveries for me. I like this show for like actually the character study yeah. and the cultural study stuff. Like in this episode particularly did a good job of doing what I think any of these episodes, whether it's Watchmen or Moon Knight or Shang-Chi or anything, which is making you learn a little bit more culturally. Like yeah. this had a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, I'll reference Fave Zero again. They had uh, an internet person named Neebs on who offered a lot of cultural insight on this, you know, just watching some of the Twitter conversations by actual, you know, Asiatic brown people from that yeah. sector of the world was much more interesting because seeing those Marvel fans come out and delight about all the things that packed in there from like Bollywood references when she nearly falls on the guy to things in the backgrounds of the streets of yeah. Pakistan and cultural things they snuck into there and, you know, in making this into this authentic representation of it. That was good. It was good to learn like a lot of the Easter eggs that I didn't understand or know right. about and kind of learn about. 
and do all that stuff. And I kind of like that. They are making me like Kamala Khan. Now, as for what this show is titled, Ms. Marvel, I still think they, this show is, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's the show so much as the decisions above the show where I think they're still playing with Marvel lore. That's really kind of weak for me, like not strong enough to draw me in. I don't feel like the clandestines are like a, a good villain threat for me. Mm. Like it's, they were just kind of rushed in and you know, then they go now they're going like, let's blow up the world evil. And it's just like, they don't grip me. I'm not engaged with them as villains. Like I'm engaged entirely, entirely. Like there could be no villains chasing her just Kamala on a mystery quest to figure out what these weird powers are. And I'd be just as engaged in this show as I am now. Um, so the Marvel lore of it, I think is some of the weakest for me, but the character stuff is some of the strongest to me. So right. it's kind of like this weird kind of blend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like, and okay. So like Damon streams is, is, is bringing up some things in the comments of like, you know, whether this, like brings up time travel and some other things because like what it could break in the Marvel universe and stuff. And I'm so it's it's a weird thing. So like you said, like it's of the Miss Marvel side and then the Kamala Khan side. To me, they're the I look at those as one person. Miss Marvel is Kamala to me. And so if I don't care about Kamala, I do not give one iota about Miss agree. Marvel. Right? Really agreed on that. Yeah. So so I the stuff that's in there about like most of the what I've loved about the show is actually not very power centric. That's kind of why I can kind of I've I made peace. We've had this discussion, right? I've made peace with the powers being different and stuff like that. I made peace with that already. <laughs> like that's not changing. It's it's whatever, right? So I've just grown to like accept that for what it is. Um, but the Marvelness. I just don't care as much. So like, I don't care how like this ties into like, if this breaks the continuity thing here or whatever, like, I just don't care about that. So as long as you make me care about the people and the Kamala as a person and her family, since they are such an intrinsic part of the character, I'm good. Right. So that, I think that's probably why I'm, I'm enjoying the show so much is because to me, 90% of the show is that. And then you get like the 10% that is the other stuff. And that stuff's, uh, I enjoy some of that stuff. I don't enjoy all of it, but I enjoy some of that stuff. And like, that's why I feel like maybe I'm enjoying this more than some. Well, let me just clarify my own point based on what you said is I'm not saying like I'm splitting Miss Marvel and Kamala into two people. I think what I'm talking about is what you're, I'm echoing what you said, like the Marvelness of it hasn't gripped me. So I think I was trying to do this without criticizing the episode. So like when it went into like full Marvel mode, like I blanked out for a lot of that foot chase scene, like, Mm -hmm. because it was just, it went on, it was very Marvel-y. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really into this as much. Like, whereas just her walking around with her cousins, I was into that stuff. Like, that's what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. And I still think it's the fundamental thing that, and not to say those actors didn't do a great job with like parkour and the knife throwing and all that stuff was awesome. But I blanked out. It was giving me that Bay kind of gelled over thing because I'm not into the Marvel action aspects of this. Um, And and that's just all I'm saying. And I know, and like I said, I, I think you could still have made this series just a series about Kamala tracking down the origins of her bangle figuring it out, accessing your powers fully, and then being ready to step up for the Marvels. And I, and I would have been just as happy. So I, I'm just saying for right now, like, yeah, the, when they're trying to do the Marvel action and conflict, I'm not as in character stuff and where this character is going to go. And by the time she's fully formed with her yeah. powers and all that, like, 
like that future is already secure with me. Like Iman yeah. Vellani, like I want, she's on that Florence Pugh, Haley Steinfeld level with me already. Like I need scenes with her and people and I'm looking forward to that much more than worrying about the powers or any of that other yeah. stuff. And like, I, yeah. I don't know. I come away from like, I was, look, I'm, I was, it's no secret. I was already stoked for the Marvels uh, as it is, but like, seeing where that character is going and it's going to be by the end of the series. And then like looking forward to the day where like her, Carol, Monica all get to interact is like, that's nuts. just the first time she walks in a room with Carol. Uh, Danvers, it's going to be so cute. So good. I'm going so good. to maybe you're going to maybe see something rare on my face. You've never seen, which is like genuine cuteness and joy. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, it's gonna be nuts, but so it's gonna be great. And like, yeah, so Miss Marvel, I'm just hoping, like, I mean, I'm very interested to see what this time travel episode is gonna be because Miss Marvel going to time travel was not in my bingo card. Um, so I'm really interested to see what they do and how they get into. Oh, I can't imagine the letters they might be getting when they get into like the partition and and visualizing all that. Um, yeah, that's going to be real interesting, but I don't think those letters are going to be coming from my side of the community, so I'm good. But uh, yeah, it's going to be nuts. Uh, so I'm interested to see what they do in these last things. On a whole other side of the fence, whoop, talk about <laughs> whole other side. <laughs> yeah, Wholesome to not. Wholesome not teen all. stuff to the boys. <laughs> so we're getting down to the end of the boys' season. I'm not going to start because I have something stuck in my throat. I'm going to take a drink. Why don't one of you guys jump in and dare to go first on this. I was going to pick Janelle too. Okay, I'll go first. Well, another episode has been released from the boys. This one feels like it has a little less uh, crazy energy of violence and sexual content. It has a little bit more heart. I feel this episode has a little bit more heart. There's some emotional moments and it's good to connect to some of these characters on a deeper level. Uh, This show in general is just insane and i really thought that i would be burned out on the boys um that first episode was a little jarring for me of the season but this one uh this whole season actually has proven itself to be top tier for me and this is one of my favorite shows that i'm watching right now uh yeah it's it's just great and i feel like we're actually getting to showcase way more characters like we're getting Mm -hmm. more information on these characters which is nice yeah, so I agree. does the Florida cult not consider that deep scene to be a weird thing? We just like, <laughs> yeah, should we grow up around? Aunt? I'm just kidding. No, it is. You're right. That is. But it's. I guess. I guess just like herogasm was just like like. Oh, it's reset your levels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. You know, you just came back from Miami. If there's any stories <laughs> you need to get off your chest now. If there's any no, Miami stories no. you need to get off your chest. What happens can, in Miami stays in Miami. <laughs> what happens in the Miami Ocean stays in the Miami Ocean. All right. Oh God, oh. the seaweed was so bad. Anyways, what do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, please believe it. Uh, all on. right, um, I, I do agree with you all. I mean, I'm just I'm ragging on you, but like I did, I did agree. I do agree with you. This one had a lot more kind of. This was the plot development episode and a character development episode, and had a lot more heart to it in showing our kind of characters, you know, both consequences of actions and setting the stage for you know changing relationships and shifting alliances and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, this was a pretty, this was a pretty good one. I was actually surprised by how engaged I was by this because it was a big deal for me to stop that second stranger things episode and, and <laughs> click over <laughs> to this. this yeah. yeah. But, uh, and that's hard to say about the boys. Cause usually I'm real good in jumping over into the boys, but uh, 
pause. Anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah. So I, talking about me, about jumping into the boys. And, yeah, uh, no, about, I'm uh, just going to move on. All right. Yeah, gonna move so, on. Uh, All right. So, I will uh, say that there was a couple of scenes in here that were um, the aforementioned deep scene was 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 a little much for it. I was like, oh, that's it. And then not in a whatever way, just in a creepy, like disturbing way. You know what I mean? I think it was the um, awkwardness for me. I yeah. don't do well with awkwardness. Like yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. Um, but then, yeah, someone mentioned in the comments, uh, the cliffhanger, the, the ending to this episode was fantastic. It's a great way to queue up uh, the big finale. And then I will say it's weird. So the Black Noir stuff, I loved the originality of like how they portrayed it. It kind of, all of those segments kind of took me out of the episode though. Like I, cause I was really into the butcher stuff, like the, the butcher, like exploring his past and just the pain and regret there and all that was just like hitting me. Right. That was just like a great, that was amazing stuff. Yeah. And then the Huey stuff. Right. And then starlight, like her discovery stuff and like you seeing how that now how butcher is different in how he reacts to her and that information because he sees like he he just wants to be there for you like that change in their relationship is really interesting so all that stuff i was in mother's milk stuff was just like you know oh my god I, my heart just broke you know when he punched it because i was like don't do it i know you want, i know you want to don't do it and then like there's just so much going on in the episode and then you would get a black noir scene again and I'm like, oh my god, this is taking. I understand the the, I understand what we're doing. I just like, I don't maybe necessarily need it explained in this way for this long. I don't know. It just kept taking me out of it. And not I, to denigrate, I liked it, it, it only because it. I was sitting around going like, Black Noir scares the crap out of me to begin with. <laughs> it's just so creepy. Like in throughout the series about how I mean how he just murders people and it just hangs around with the mask on. Like the scene with him and the intern is still one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. Like where he's just standing over the intern and try or the worker and trying to figure out what he wants. And he's just kind of doing there. So seeing him talk to these crazy things in his head while staring at an empty stage just made me be like, this dude is crazy as hell. So I I mean, I like Noir as a character, but it also is kind of sad, like, you know, the oh, for cartoons. Sure. But uh yeah. yeah, I liked it because he I mean he seems crazy. So I, I felt like, yeah. Like, yeah, it got that point across. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's gone. He's, yeah. he's he's lost it completely. So I guess yeah. we get blown up enough times and heal enough times. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, Jeez, I mean, dude. wouldn't Wolverine be a little? Demented? Oh, and the A train thing. Oh yeah, the Man. A train thing. Like, yeah, that was some Twilight Zone Cronenberg stuff they they threw in there. Ooh. I did not see that coming. Yeah, that, was, that, was, that was good. And it was such a small scene. Oh yeah, but, like. I felt so much. Of, oh my god, that! And he's like trying to process it in real time. <laughs> it's just like, oh my god, that. And shout out to Ashley, too. the actress who plays Ashley, oh is god, one of the under, un, you know, underrated MVPs of the show. Is Ashley, and the way I mean, she's just such a good satirical takedown of just like public relations <laughs> as a whole, like, and just the way they spin whole all of a the way she can, she's so perfect at like talking around the, all the yeah. a train stuff in such a way that is so like racist and terrible, but like never always sells. I always say it's always a good PR person or manager. Like one of your key components is you got to be able to sell that bag of ish as like it's sugar. You can be able to sell ish like it's sugar. Is <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah. That know, movie good, or a TV show she pitches him yeah. or whatever. And he's like, yes. no, I don't, I don't want to do it. It's going to be great. Yeah, he's like, great, great, boom. Um, and she was great on Fear of the Walking Dead, too, as a villain, as a as a kind of Western style. I think yeah, her name was Sally. I yeah, I loved her on that. Oh, yeah, she was real good. She was so. great. 
yeah, she's a great actress, and like, yeah, she and I and I should know her name better, but um, she did a great job, and she yeah, the Ashley's just like the MVP. That scene with her and the intern earlier this season about punishment, and like all that stuff, like they just keep giving her like great scenes. Yeah, she's yeah, got so, great stuff. Yeah, I mean, this was a this was a great thing, and Jensen Ackles is just doing a fantastic job. This episode was so like densely packed that the whole nun priest thing almost like slipped my mind. Oh my god, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a bummer too because I kind of wanted more Huey and Soldier Boy after just those several oh, yeah. interactions, you know? They, they were so good. Yeah, they were good. Eccles and uh, what's his name? Uh, or um, Jack Wade. Jack Wade are so good together. Huh? What'd you say? What? Huh? what? It's like, dude, what you we need to lay off the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, uh, but so uh, yeah, Eccles is, I mean, such a great guest star this season. Just, you know, I thought Stormfront was good, but like Soldier Boy, he's just, after playing Dean and like so likable that is, he's just so good at playing like this smarmy douche who like knows that he's strong. I can't wait. I'm, I'm really excited to see like scenes with him and Anthony Starr. So that's going to be kind of crazy. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about the Maeve stuff. Like there's so much that went on in this in this episode, that it's a lot to to talk about. It honestly just take a whole podcast on its own <laughs> to dissect uh, half of the boys. But yeah, uh, that's uh, that was amazing. Can't cannot wait for the for the next one. Uh, to answer the question from Facebook and Tammy Jackson, yes, I don't think I critique any movies I haven't seen. It's not really a thing, so it'd be kind of hard to do. So yes, so wrestling, answer. yes. <laughs> Somebody said this episode was chonky, and yes, it was for the boys. Chonky, chonky. All right, moving on to wrestling. We got to bring in, we got to bring in a ringer for the ring talk, and our ringer for the ring talk is you guessed it, Connor Woo-hoo! Casey. He's back again. Back again. Somebody said chonky, so I came. Right. All right, Connor, Matt, take it away. Tell us what's going on in wrestling that has brought you back to us so soon. Not that we don't Man. love you. We will uh, we'll start with the breaking news. Um, this was uh, given out yesterday, but uh, news outlets are just now hopping on it. As we speak, it's getting written up for the website. Uh, THQ Nordic has been confirmed as the publisher for AEW's hey, first hey. console game, Fight Forever. I wasn't expecting this, given the relationship they have with Warner Brothers. And there, Warner has a game division with, Warner, with WB Games. But I guess we're going back with THQ Nordic. To, to not confuse people, this is not the same THQ that released all the WWE games yeah. throughout the 2000s. THQ, the name itself, was picked up by Nordic uh, back in the mid-2010s. So this is technically their first wrestling title that they are publishing. But obviously we've known that Ukes has been the developer. Matt, how do you feel about this? Um, it makes total sense from the from the angle of like they've not been shy about like, Hey, those games are what we're going for. Like those Mm -hmm. classic Nintendo 64 games. And while yes, it is a completely separate company from a, like, you know what I mean? From like a first appearance standpoint to have like that developer, sorry, to have that publisher, to have that logo. And that's cool. I'm Mm -hmm. curious to see if there's actually any, um, I don't know. It it is interesting that they didn't go with the in-house the in-house one I, I just wonder if it was just a matter of you know financial stuff or time or or, or what reason any credit to them wwb games doesn't really do anything in the sports realm if i'm if i'm not mistaken so it's true they really I, don't because i mean they're they're known for you know you know the arkham games and you know 
the the Suicide Squad thing that's coming out. And yeah, Rocksteady, they, like, they're known for that more in the Rocksteady realm than they are for anything about this. So yeah, yeah. Um, so that just broke. Um, on top of that, we've got Money in the Bank this weekend. Matt, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like it is fitting that this show is taking place in Las Vegas because this show feels like a fold. <laughs> it, it feels like you're playing Texas Hold'em. You got your first few cards. <laughs> And you folded before even looking at what else was going to be flipped. Now, in poker, that is a rookie mistake because you at least want to see what you got in front of you. But in some ways, they feel justified. This show was originally advertised to be inside Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play, where SummerSlam was a year ago. And the local advertising had Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns front and center. They're not on the show. They didn't sell enough tickets to fill up more than half the stadium, so they bumped it down to the MGM Grand Garden Arena. The most intriguing singles matchup, Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley, is off the table. Rhea bonked herself with her own knee and uh, is injured as a result. Yeah, the, the clip of that is funny but tragic. It sucks, yeah. And all of the advertising post the Roman removal was all about Cody Rhodes. Now, I don't know if you've heard – but half of his body looked like Grimace after Hall, after Hell in a Cell. So he might be off the table. But I have an idea for you, Matt. I have an idea of how we are going to save this show. I went back and I watched the promo that Cody cut right after Hell in a Cell. It, it was about nine minutes long between the time he got out to the ring and the time Seth beat him down with a sledgehammer. He spends the first three minutes talking about what just happened the night before him basically fighting with one arm for 25 minutes and winning. But then he started talking about the money in the bank ladder match as if he was going to enter it. He was legitimately saying, this is the one thing I haven't done. And this is how I could become world champion. I mean, it sounds crazy and it almost seemed like they brushed away the idea by having Seth attack him. But then raw rolls around this week and unannounced <laughs> without any sort of promotion ahead of time. There's Cody. Filmed from what I presume was the Nightmare Factory, talking about the ladder match again. Not really even talking about Seth. And, and Matt, I don't know if you know this, but it only takes one good arm to pull a free <laughs> climb a ladder. <laughs> only takes one. I, I think that between all of that and the fact that the last entrant in the ladder match, as of right now, is still open. I think that's how we get Cody in this. I think he's going to pull a Brock Lesnar 2019, show up right at the end, knock Seth off the ladder, yank down the briefcase, and then he's your money in the bank winner. And here's where the twist comes in. He still has to go away and heal up, right? He, he, you know, They gave him a nine-month return timetable. We've seen four, five-month returns. We've seen yeah. John Cena pull it off in just under four, but yeah. I think it's been established he is a healing factor, so that doesn't count. And Cody said that's not his timetable either. Right. Yeah, he's right. already put the little seed of doubt in there. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like pre-injury, this was their plan anyway because you look at what they had mapped out for the next few months. It was supposed to be Orton at SummerSlam, Drew at Clash of the Castle, and then TBD for the rest of the year. Presumably, he wrestles at Survivor Series, but that won't be for the title. And then all the while, you'd have Cody in the background. Yeah. Now you can still have that. And as the year goes on, every episode of television and every pay-per-view suddenly become infinitely more interesting because it's not just, oh, when's Cody going to cash in? It's, well, when's he healthy? 
Yep. And when he's healthy, what do you do? How do you bring him back? Well, and the threat keeps growing, right? As you get further and further along, because exactly. oh, he could literally come in now. Like it's not like his 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 arm is dangling off. So. And the next time you hear wrestling has one more than one royal family, you're probably getting a new champion. So I, I think that is so much more interesting than Seth trying to rehash what he did in 2015 or Drew cashing in to make sure the match at Wales happens as if that wasn't going to happen. The man is half the poster right now and would not stop talking about this show for the entirety of his WWE title run in 2020. That match is happening whether he has a briefcase that says so or not. Right. It feels unnecessary. You're probably not giving it to Sammy. You're not giving it to Sheamus. You're really not giving it to Omos. This is their best option. And this, much like Hell in a Cell, saves the show effectively. It's There's not much to talk about otherwise. But if Cody wins, everyone's talking about it and going, what a moment. I think you sold me, man. <laughs> I think I think that's uh, if that happens, I I can't argue with. Now, I'm not as down on this card as as you are. OK, overall. But I will say that is easily the biggest moment. No one's not talking about that. And I would personally like I have Rollins penciled in. Right. If if we're not factoring in surprise returns, I have Rollins cool. is the only person that I find interesting to the uh, aside from like Sami Zayn for entertainment value purposes, but not actually challenging title purposes. But like having Cody win it is infinitely more interesting. And that's no shade to Rollins. It's just from a it spices up a story we haven't seen before, and it and it changes things up. I'm no, and, and and Seth is great. I'd argue he's the best thing on Raw right now. But it's kind of a damning indictment on your main event scene when the best thing you can hope for is a rerun of something that happened seven years ago. Yeah. And and it's been pointed out to me elsewhere. WWE doesn't do a great job at repeating history. How many times did we see the Montreal screw job try to be reenacted? Yeah. Well, we all just have to roll our eyes at it. Okay. It's true. I, I, you know, and you bring the power of positivity to this show. What other matches are worth tuning in for? Well, I mean, I'm excited for the women's ladder, like the ladder match, right? Because the, to me, there is actually some intrigue there as to who wins. Cause that's actually one of the ones that I can't necessarily like, if you would ask 10 people, you're probably going to get seven different, like seven, at least seven to six different answers. Um, Cause a couple of people like there's legit, people in this match with like legit cred that they could give it to. Right. Cause I mean, it's Becky Lynch, Alexa bliss. Um, Oscar is in this. I, to me, the two that make sense are Raquel and Shotzi because of how they've been built recently. And I say that only because Rhonda needs opponents more than Belair needs opponents. Belair does not need a, like you have people. Rhea will come back. Rhea will be in that ring when she, Gets her, and by the way, I hope for a quick recovery for her because that sucked. Because a lot of people were looking forward to that match. Ronda needs opponents. So if you're talking about Ronda, you're dealing with a SmackDown heavy look. And so it kind of removes some of those people like Becky and Alexa out of out of the mix because Ronda needs people. My counter argument is I think you can get a lot of mileage out of a Ronda Shayna feud. And if you've been following them on Twitter, that's yeah, that but we've seen that before. We have like. No, not the thing. We've seen them tease it before, and they do nothing with it. Okay. Now, they filmed this on their own, mm. which is cool, but like WWE shared it and all that, right? We've seen them toy with this idea several times. They never follow through with it. Everyone wants to see that. 
<laughs> so if that's the case, great. But like, I don't have the <laughs> the faith that they're actually going to do that. They've been toying with people's emotions. My only counter is when you look at the match, the only actual story going into it is that Becky Lynch is freaking desperate. And what better way to keep playing up that story than to have her win and see that as the final opportunity for her to get the title back. But whether it be because of Asuka or a failed cash-in, she still manages to not get the title. I feel like there's there's a story you can immediately play off that because you got to remember, WWE does not like letting this briefcase hang around for a while. With the exception of Carmella, everyone cashes in on that first day. Right. So to for me, the hope is that they don't do that again because that is boring. But you can also measure it with expectations. I I know. So I'm saying I don't want that to happen. So my pick for that is not going to be something that lends itself to that theory. (laughs) It's going to be in the opposite way because to me that is repeating history for the 19th time, and rarely has it left any impression beyond that week. Like, let, let me try, let me run this by you. It's down in the comments section right now. What if she cashes in on Bianca and then she turns around and loses in 26 seconds to make good on what happened at? Summer? I would love that, but again, it's a momentary pop. And it doesn't do anything for the rest of the time. Like the Money in the Bank briefcase is supposed to no, it's supposed to be able to add another threat and build something for a while. Like it should actually be used as a hey, we also have this side plot going here, and you never know. And if you it pops in the first day, yes, that moment's cool, but like it doesn't it doesn't feel satisfactory like Man, it's just th- oh, th- this ain't AEW this show does not have long-term storytelling but uh duh. Right. i mean yeah. okay you say that but like <laughs> sasha banks and bailey was a long-term story like there have been other stories in wwe that you're citing a, a story from two years ago i again d- did you say like this year <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm citing a story. You said they don't do it. I'm telling they, you that's they don't false. Do, I'm, 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 I'm telling you they don't do it at the pace of AEW. Absolutely not. They do not do that. Uh, yeah. But then again, I don't love all of AEW's long-term storytelling. So let's well, not bring that debate into this. All right, Kof, before I start going on a rant about the greatness of AEW, <laughs> that is in the bank. It's happening on Saturday, not its usual Sunday time. So stay tuned for all that good coverage. And also right. – uh, I'll read my shirt and uh, watch this space. I'll just say that. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. Oh, my God. He knows how Hi. to sign out, man. He knows how to sign out. That is a, it's a drop the mic moment, and it just bounced. <laughs> Fantastic. Way to go, Connie. Well, I'm excited to talk about comics because yeah. I was really – I missed it. I, I wasn't here last week. I didn't get to read my three usual comics. I thought I'd it would be refreshing. I actually really missed it. So, Matt, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So it was one of those things too where I was like, "Oh no, there's two Batman books in this in this spot this week." But we're so we're gonna start with Batman Catwoman number twelve. You picked a good one. This is the closing chapter of the Batcat saga, Tom King's Batcat saga. Um, I'm actually for this one. We've been covering this now for, I'm pretty sure, its entirety of its run mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah. So I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to go last. I'm going to shake things up a little bit. I'm going to – what What do you guys think? What did you guys think of this issue? I can't wait to see this in a collected edition and do a remix where it's chronological, like just set out chronologically in front of me. 
like mm -hmm. from when it started in the past, all the past scenes, all the modern scenes, all the future scenes to the end, because like, I, I'm so, I think it's just been a year. I don't remember all the intricacies. Like, uh, it, like this thing got to an end and I, and I feel like it didn't even feel like an end for me. And the way this is telling a story, it doesn't really, I mean, the beginning, middle, end. this feels like memento in a comic form, like weirdly enough, like Chris Nolan stuff. But um, yeah, I, I get it. And the whole thing between Selena and her daughter, the Joker, you know, Batman who's non-existent. And in the series called Batman Catwoman, Batman's like non-existent in this series as we know him. It's Helena, but like actual Bruce Wayne. I can't even remember. Was he ever in this series at all, except for like a few shots of him like getting sick? Uh, not well, really. No, not really. No, no. No, Joker so, was yeah. more in it. Yeah, so it's been a weird series. Um, Should have been Catwoman, Joker. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, there's some good takeaways from it. Like, uh, you know, there's. I, I think if I had followed the story or was able to kind of piece it together and remember a lot of the intricacies, the whole reveal at the end about you know the Thelma and Louise happy ending between Selena and uh, Phantasm, Andrea you know, that whole thing, I guess would have hit harder. Uh, you know, the whole kind of emotional resolution between Helena and Selena about, you know, legacy and Bruce's legacy and all that would have hit a little harder for me. Um, I still think that that single annual that we got the Batman Catwoman annual was a more powerful story than ultimately this comic series told, uh, that whole thing about the end of Selena's life was excellent. Um, so, you know, I never hate on Tom King cause I'm a Tom King fan, but I would have to reread this again. And I think I would have to see what it's like when I can actually read it in one kind of big collection and, and have the story be present the whole time. And like the only story that I'm reading and see all the kind of intricate details, because I'm sure when I go back and study it and see how it moves across. And now that I know everything, like it'll be much more rewarding. But uh, yeah, the way this just came out, the, the kind of the weird stretch of time it took, like, I don't think it was the most effective way of presenting this story. Jenna, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, Kofi just said it, nailed it. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm biased to this one book because there's like a wedding gown <laughs> on the cover, <laughs> which is very exciting because I'm planning my wedding. So I was very... Um, uh, very impressed with the artwork as I always am throughout this entire series. I've, I've felt that like these women in this book, I guess the men too, honestly, they're just masterfully drawn. Like they're gorgeous. They are every uh, goal of mine ever. <laughs> like, this is why I go to the gym from reading, seeing that right there, that cat suit. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was beautiful. I liked it. I wouldn't say I loved it. Um, there were certain books in the series that were a little bit more exciting or had more payoff, but I think, you know, Kofi's completely correct and it, it will probably lay out really, really well when you can read it all together. It's really hard to space them out as much as this one did. Yeah. I um, pretty much echo, echo all that. It was weird. I, I did not, I am to the point now where I feel like, yes, this, this truly won't be, you won't you won't see how how good or not good this is until it's all collected. That is the best way to to read this. And I also it does it. I did kind of leave going like, man, I wonder what that initial like if if King had not been 
if he was able to do the original vision for that series, which was like to go more issues tying into the main series instead of having to change plans and have like a new person step in and then him do this kind of self-contained volume, but also linked to it. I don't know all that change up. I would be kind of interested to see like what changed or if anything changed from his original plans to this. Um, but I, I, I liked parts of this. I just, man, I was, I was let, I was a little let down and it was just like, I was hoping this would kind of bring it all together and the timelines and all that stuff would make sense. And it, and it explains it like it kind of does, but the payoff to me wasn't, it didn't, really hit like i wanted it to hit though i still really enjoyed stuff in this and like janelle said it's it's stunning this issue is gorgeous this whole series has been just stunning but like the stuff with you know catwoman and like andrea there and like oh hey she's like alive and like that it that didn't quite hit either like i feel like it should have i don't know there was just there was some some other things the helena conversation didn't quite click for me that was just things i i was i was a little under underwhelmed and i was bummed about that because i really wanted to just like soar after this i forgot I my point but i think one thing this series did is it, it did give me a version of helena wayne batman that i would like to see in dc Agreed. more often like and if nothing else it did come out of this like i would like to see this kind of angry jaded helena who's kind of conflicted about her mother and her father like that's interesting to me yeah I, I agree. Uh, so I hope we will, when that collection comes out, I would actually be like, I would love for us to, to read that and go like, it did it make it better? Did it not make it better? But let's move into Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number two. I know we've talked about, there's there's two Captain America ongoings now. And I, and I know we actually really enjoyed the Steve Rogers one as well. But I, I think from what I remember, this one with Sam was the one we were kind of really digging more in that first initial issue. And, and a lot of that had to do with you know kind of just learning about like sam's interaction with the community and just kind of being sam and this issue kind of takes a, a detour and it's just like there's a lot of more as we kind of talked about earlier more marvel-y stuff in this one it's like a big fight with deadpool and and then doom is involved <laughs> later on it's just a the spectacle is higher and it's it's fun, but I but I I kind of came away not getting as much of what I liked about the first issue. I still enjoyed it, and I because I, I enjoy Deadpool fights. Like what can I say? I'm a sucker for Deadpool, <laughs> Deadpool fights. But I I don't know. I didn't like it as much, but I still enjoyed it. What you guys think? I uh, I kind of hard disagreed. I liked the Sam kind of street level Sam stuff of the first issue. But I really enjoyed this. And you are underselling this. This was the creation of Marvel's Wilson & Wilson, an exclusive firm. <laughs> no, seriously, though, this was like Sam Wilson and Deadpool was a team up I never knew I needed until it actually happened. Um, it, it was it was good. And, you know, I like seeing this Captain America in a Marvel kind of adventure would complete with a crossover and a team up. And I still like this book a lot. And it's just the character, Sam's character is just so good. Yeah. And like you can see shades of Anthony Mackie that have influenced this because Falcon was rarely this dynamic before, but um, it works. And just seeing him just like, I love the fight dynamics of him, like getting shot and using the shield and his wings is like a double shield. Just small things are just so much fun with this version of Captain America that you don't get with Steve Rogers. Right. Um, and just his kind of no nonsense and, you know, lack of better term, just but like, 
his black guy way of reacting to things like Deadpool is hilarious. Like he just doesn't have it for like Deadpool's nonsense in quite the same way as like other characters. And it's just, it's hilarious to see them interact. So I actually enjoyed this. This was just a, like a good fun read for the week. And uh, I was just, yeah. Yeah. I agree with Kofi completely. So fun. Like this was really fun. It put me in a great mood to read it. And I just, I love their interaction together. Deadpool is so nice to see in a comic because I think this is my first time seeing really? him in a comic. Yes. And I wouldn't have, I, I would have, I loved this. I loved seeing him interact um, in this way. And I just had a blast. So you guys pretty much summed it up, but it was, it was great. I loved this. I had a blast. Well, uh, so let's move into some more Batman, Batman beyond the white knight. Number four. I didn't uh, read this one. Yeah, this one's just me. This one yeah, that's just Matt. This is Matt's uh, agenda. It's, yeah. it's a quick mention. <laughs> it's a quick mention because I freaking love this series. And uh, again, this is this is another great. We get Ace, man. Ace the Batman because it's, it's introduced here. How you not love that stuff? Uh, but I actually just love the fact that like Bruce is like trying to deal with his his panic attacks and just to have Joker, who he slowly kind of, as we kind of saw with like the Cortana. Master Chief relationship, right? Slowly kind of just, all right, like you are actually helpful. I I kind of, you know, they have a whole conversation here where he finally calls him Jack. And he's like, hey, you didn't call me Joker or whatever. He's like, well, you know, I mean, I did have issues with you. We had some baggage. Like I had to work through there to see if I could trust and stuff like that. So they have real conversations and like Jack is constantly like, you know, wow, I finally get to be in the Batcave. I thought this would be cooler. It's like everything's burnt like everything's gone so they start having all these conversations and for batman beyond fans this one that's actually the one that you've been waiting for because this gives the biggest we really understand how this issue ends is finally the thing we've been waiting for for terry and kind of understanding what his role in all this is and it also is one of those that makes you reframe what came before so you're going to want to after learning what happens here you're going to want to go back and read stuff and see if that changes how you read it so i love issues that are like that so that's uh that's that so if you're not reading that you should go read it uh moving on to the poll winner uh we're gonna move to the variants and yes damon stream damon streams wanted all three books in the poll <laughs> to win <laughs> they were all good choices the variants won. i'm i'm gonna say i was excited for all three if they won but the variants i was very excited for one because it is a jessica jones book it will always be up for jessica jones Two, Gail Simone is writing it and is one of my favorite writers. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain. Uh, this one is the variance and deals with, as its kind of name implies, there is a it's multiple versions of Jessica from different universes that are going to kind of sort of interact. The way in which that happens is not kind, it's a very like Jessica Jones way that 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 the story unfolds. And there's, as with most stuff here, like this is not a kind of, I will say like Spider-Verse kind of have fun, like in the comics I'm talking about, not the movie. Like, hey, here's a bunch of characters interacting for different universes and stuff. Like this is very much still a Jessica Jones story. And then that is an aspect of it. And I really liked that. I liked the self-reflection. I liked the kind of digging into some of the Kilgrave stuff through a different point of view, through a different angle, the trauma, all that, like that is really core stuff. And then you get the kind of last page, last couple pages, multiverse thing thrown in. 
and it's the way it, it's implemented. It just makes a really bad day worse. And like what? Like so, there's a lot of stuff. And we get Captain America, Jessica Jones. So who doesn't love that? Jessica Jones Cage, I should say. So I really, do, I really enjoyed this. I was looking forward to this, but I didn't know really what to expect. I came away really happy. But what do you guys think? I thought it was good to kind of ground a Marvel. You know, Marvel has. Just the fact that Marvel can launch a title named Variant shows you just what the MCU has done, right? Um, now that's like a popular pop culture term because of the MCU and all that. But um, I got to say that I was pleasantly surprised how well Gail Simone, who's also a, you know one of the top-notch Twitter snipers out there. <laughs> For sure. Um, <laughs> is, uh, and how well she was able to marry like a classic kind of noir detective story with this idea of the multiverse and these variants and stuff like that. And it has all your things, the troubled detective, you know, you know, dealing with the trauma and all that. But also, I mean, it, there's just some great noir scenes. Like that coffee shop scene is, is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a classic hard boiled, you know, film noir detective stuff. And then to add a mystery that involves, you know, the Marvel and the possible multiverse and all that fantastical stuff. It, it's a really good mix. And if there's anybody you want handling this kind of fantastical crap, it's, it's the kind of cynical kind of wisecracker like Jessica Jones who can keep it all grounded. So, yeah, I mean, I thought this was a good way to kind of explore Marvel multiverse stuff and a good way to kind of bring back Jessica Jones in the spotlight, too. Janelle, what do you think? You both said it perfectly. I was uh, pleasantly surprised with this one. I, you know, I only know Jessica Jones from the Netflix series um, and not Disney Plus now. Um, but it is, I'm really happy to see her in comic books. I was very excited about it. And, uh, and I just loved the way they played it out. I loved her relationship with Luke in this. And, uh, and, you know, I love Kilgrave because in the show, one of my favorite actors, Plays Kilgrave. So sure. David Tennant from Doctor Who. So uh, I, it was nice if you have watched the, the series, like this will be so easy for you mm -hmm. to understand and follow if you're just picking up like this comic out of nowhere. So yeah, it, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Also, Phil Noto. Comics. Phil Noto, uh, excellent work in here. Um, and yeah, the coffee scene is fantastic. There's so, so much to love about that. So this might be one, uh, I don't know, we might stick with. This is a Ooh. mini series, not an ongoing. So uh, this might be a fun one to stick with, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. But that's comics. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, yeah, I'm not going to push the show too hard. we got a great, dedicated fan base. We love you guys for showing up every week. But if you're just jumping in, you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can find us on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. And uh, maybe one day we'll have our own YouTube channel, you know, maybe in later seasons. We'll see. But quick mention, also, we stream on Paramount+. Plus. We are earlier in Sunday mornings. We're in the early slot. You can wake up with us and have your morning coffee on Sundays and watch us on Paramount+, Plus uh, live on ETTV. And also on Paramount+, Plus that uh, I have to check out that I'm really excited for and have heard excellent things about is uh, Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. Beavis and Butthead are back, so uh, I'm going to try to watch that this week so we can jump in and do like a little 
recent visit of that because I love those guys, man. I'm trying so hard not to just like do it. There it is. I was hoping someone would do it. True hard. All right. So yeah, Beavis and Butthead. You know, '90s kids. You '90s kids unite. So we'll do a little watch of that too. Some Stranger Things for next week, and we'll finally be able to talk Thor and Love and Thunder because it'll be out. A lot of you guys will probably rush out and go see that, and yeah. Everybody get yourself emotionally ready for the Stranger Things thing. So uh, hold tight and uh, take care of each other. And we'll see you next week. This is Comic Book Nation. Peace.